the beginning of this year as we walk into 2019, one of the goals that I have and something that we're going to do intentionally for the next several weeks is that we are going to have some intentional conversations about the future of Valley. We're actually walking into that in a multitude of ways, and we're going to introduce some more stuff to you uh, in the next few days and weeks as we nail down some final plans for how we want to pull that off. But we want to have some intentional plan, some intentional conversations about who are we as a church and what does that look like for us to continue to move into the future that God has for us. You have done this before. Sorry, I have to adjust the table. It's bouncing back and forth on me. You might not notice, but it would drive me crazy for the next 20 minutes. Um, I think I'm all right right now. We may stick sugar packets under there later. That's what they do in restaurants, right? Um, we're going to have some intentional conversations about the future and what that looks like. You have done that before. For many of you, that's not new. For some of you, you have walked across, you have walked through that as we have done that over past years and as we've done that for the last few years here as a church. But this year, as we walk into that, it is my hope that we do so with even greater urgency than we ever have before. It is my hope that as we talk about the future and what that looks like for Valley, that we do that with more boldness and more courage than we ever have before. That as we look to who we are, that we continue to be a people who are willing to change and willing to evolve to be the church that God has called us to be, no matter what that means and no matter where that leads us. And as we start that conversation today, I want you to hear loudly, boldly, clearly. I want you to know I believe wholeheartedly that the future for Valley is bright, that the road ahead of us is a beautiful road, that God has specific intentions and desires for how this specific body of body of faith, this people, our family, our church plays our role in the kingdom of God. I believe that the future for us is bright. And Cal and I are committed to that with you. Looking forward to that journey and what that means and what happens and where we're going. But as we do that and we think about the future and we look towards the future, it's also important for us to recognize that some of our practices, some of the things that we are doing, some of the choices that we're making may not be positioning us to walk into that future well. So it's important for us to reevaluate, to come back and look again and figure out what is going on and where we're going and what we believe that God desires and dreams for us. We are seeing beautiful things happen around Valley. In no way do we want to deny that or look away from that. We are seeing beautiful things happen in the life of our church. We're seeing life change take place in the lives of many individuals and many families. We're seeing incredible spiritual transformation take place in the lives of many, and that is what we're committed to. We have so very much to be thankful for. And yet, it isn't enough. There is more. There is more that we must do. There is more that we must be a part of. There's more that we have to do in our community. 
as we desire to see people come to know and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior and friend, and we want to be a part of that work. We want to be a part of making sure that that is taking place in our community. As we look at the broader world, we believe that there are people spread throughout our neighborhoods and the nations who need to hear perhaps for the very first time that they are loved by Jesus. And we long to be a church that is a part of that work that communicates that truth to our neighbors and the nations. We know that there are more people who need to find a family of faith to be a part of, who need to find a church family that they can come and join where they can find healing and hope and love and transformation. And we want to be that kind of family. We want to be that kind of church. And in all of these areas, we're making strides forward, but we haven't gone far enough yet. There is more to do. The need is great. And the expectation upon us is significant because God desires that Valley be a part of the work that he is doing around us. We have become something beautiful, but I don't believe God is finished doing the work of recreating in us yet. I don't believe that God is finished forming us as a body into who it is that we're supposed to be. We have to move forward because where we sit today isn't enough to meet the calling that Christ has placed on Valley specifically. And if we're going to do so, and if we're going to get there, it's my belief that the time to ask these questions and the time to begin to stir in these ideas and to begin to think about what this looks like, the time is now. We cannot wait any longer. We cannot hope any longer. And I know that there's some of you who've been here far longer than I am that say, you don't know what you're talking about. We've done a ton of changing over the last five or 10 or 20 years. You're exactly right, but, but we're not finished. There is more. Just as there is more in your life and my life with regards to who it is that we're supposed to be in following Jesus, there is more for Valley, and now is the time to ask those questions. Now is the time to make those decisions and those commitments to become who it is that we believe that God is calling us to be. I want you to know this as we walk in. What, we're three weeks into 2019? Is that right? Is it three weeks? Almost, somebody said, almost. Tomorrow is three weeks, Madeline says. I want you to know as we start this year, it is my belief that 2019 will quite possibly be one of the most difficult years in the life of our church. But I also believe that it may be one of the most beautiful years in the life of our church. The work of transitioning, of continuing to change, of continuing to evolve, of continuing to be transformed into who God has called us to be is hard work. It will be difficult if we intentionally commit ourselves to this calling, but it is also a beautiful work. It is also a beautiful thing. It is exciting to me to imagine what it is that God longs to do with us, through us, in us. Several years ago, we created a vision team. Our vision team is tasked or charged with the task of continuing to keep their eyes on this. 
continuing to ask, what does the future of Valley look like? What is it that we're called to do? Where is it that we're called to go? What does this look like for us? And they have been working on that. Over the last few months, we have tried to become even more committed and more intentional to this idea of what it means for us to discern the will of God for Valley. So we've worked through a book that is talking about the idea of how do we find the will of God in community situations? How do we, as a group, look towards the will of God for our church, for the people who walk with us, for our family? What does that mean for us? We've used a book by Ruth Haley Barton, and you've heard that name a lot. She's become a great influence in my life, especially over the last year, year and a half. She's who leads uh, the events that I go to in Chicago uh, several times a year. I'll actually be back there again next weekend. Um, but she is who is, is leading that journey. And in her book called Pursuing God's Will Together, we've walked through this journey and it has given us handles for how the vision team can help lead Valley better. How we can better pray for, seek out, find the will of God and what that means for us as a body for us as a community, for us as a family, as we continue to walk forward. And we're far from finished, but we're growing. And I want to talk some more about discernment, both as individuals and as a community. But before I get there, I need to talk about a a couple foundational beliefs that I think are important for you and me before we ever understand that the value of discerning God's will is important. Before we ever grasp that this practice matters, we have to believe that a couple kind of core foundational beliefs are true. And this is the first one. You ready? I don't usually preach sermons that make it easy to take notes. Today, you can take lots of them, except they kind of go one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three. So I like to keep it a little bit complicated. The first of those foundational beliefs is this. God is good. The overarching story of the scriptures and each of the many stories that make up our scriptures work towards reminding us over and over again that God is good. As we look at the Bible, the very first story that we find there is the story of paradise. And as we read all the way through what we find ourselves at the very last story, which is what? A story of paradise again. We see Eden in the beginning. We see new heaven and new earth in the end. And all in between, we see that God is working to recreate this broken, sin-stained creation that we live in today. That it was damaged in the very beginning and that from the beginning all the way until the end, God is at work trying to recreate what we have damaged. And the central story of that, the most important story of that, is, of course, the story of Jesus. It's in the story of Jesus that we find God in the flesh came to live with people. God came to show us this example of what does new creation look like lived out before others. And Jesus was this model, this model of what it meant to love well of what it meant to live in goodness and faithfulness. He was the perfect example of the life that Christ followers, that the people of God are called to live. And through Jesus' birth 
to his life, to his death and his resurrection, we are then invited to join God in this work of recreation, of bringing all of creation back to what God intended from the very beginning. So we have to start with this place, with this understanding, if we're ever going to try and discern God's will, of believing that God is good. Connected to that, a second of those kind of foundational beliefs is the idea that God wants us to become a people who do good. Another way of saying that, God has a good will for us. Church, God has bright and beautiful dreams for your life. God has bright and beautiful dreams for our church. God has bright and beautiful dreams for all of creation. Over and over again, we get reminded that there are these dreams, there is this will, there is this intention of good that God has created, that God longs to see happen. In Psalm 40, we see a response to this from, from someone who is, is being faithful. The psalmist, as the story of Psalm 40 kind of maps itself out, we see the model of what a, the life of someone who is faithful looks like. Psalm 40 speaks to the goodness of God through salvation and protection. And then as the psalmist has experienced this goodness of God, it pushes the psalmist towards a commitment. And we find that in in verse 8, most significantly. In verse 8, it says this. It says, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. God's hope for you and for me is that we would take joy in doing the will of God. That you and I would fall so deeply in love with Jesus and the ways of Jesus. That we would commit our lives to to walking this journey, to living this life that he has called us to. And that we would find our joy in following after the life that Jesus has called us to. God's hope is that we would find joy in living out the dreams of God for our life. God's will is that Chad would delight in doing God's will. God's will is that Valley would delight in doing God's will. All right, there's a lot more we could cover, but let me give you just one, uh, a third kind of foundational belief that is important for us to know. God isn't hiding his will from us. Too often, I feel like we get caught up in this idea that God's will is somehow being hidden from us. And I'm not going to dive deeply into this, but God's will is not hidden from us. Now, God also won't force us to walk into it. God gives us choice in that, and because of that, there is a responsibility on us to seek out the will of God, to look for it, and to choose it. So although each of us wish it was just clearly painted in the sky so that there was never a question as to what we're supposed to do tomorrow, 
God is not trying to hide it from us, but there is a call for us to actually search for it. Imagine Easter egg hunting. Your children have to look for Easter eggs, right? The older they get, the more mature they get, the better they get at that work. You hide the eggs a little harder. I can't hide the eggs from Emory and Wilson right now, or it's absolutely no fun because I just walk around going, there are no eggs. No, there actually are. I promise there are eggs. So we lay them on the grass for everyone to see. They're just right there. But as we grow in our maturity and our understanding, there is a hiding that happens so that we seek God more fully and more deeply. Not because God desires for us not to find his will, but because God desires for us to seek after him. Now, as we talk about God's will and what that looks like, I don't know about you, but but for me, two questions begin to surface pretty quickly. One, how do I know God's will? Have you ever wondered that? None of you. Wow, great. Amy. Amy's the only one. Amy is the only one. The rest of you went to sleep in here. We should have stayed in that cold sanctuary. You would not be asleep. The second of those questions that surfaced for me, how can I trust God's will? Now, I'm not going to do justice to either question. I'll be honest. I'm not going to do justice one out of time, and the teachings on each of these could last weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. But second, because I, like you, am still learning what it means to discern and follow the will of God the way that I'm called to. So I can't teach it as some expert because I have not figured it out. It is still a journey that I am on. Well, let me try to come at both a little bit. The first, this one, how do I know God's will? This is where the work of discernment comes into play. A really basic definition of what discernment looks like is discernment is our work of seeking to find and follow God's will. Barton, in her book that I mentioned earlier, Ruth Haley Barton, in the, in the book Pursuing God's Will Together, says this, discernment, and these would have been on screen. Sorry, I know it's harder for you to follow this way. But discernment, in a most general sense, is the capacity to recognize and respond to the presence and the activity of God, both in ordinary moments and in the larger decisions of our lives. She goes on and says this, it is our commitment to discerning and doing the will of God through the help of the Holy Spirit that distinguishes spiritual leadership from other kinds of leadership. This is the work that our vision team is trying to do, trying to transition from the idea of of simply being um, leaders like you might find in any kind of organization to actually being people who are seeking out the will of God as we look to make decisions as a church. This is the practice that we have committed ourselves to. This is our responsibility as a vision team to God and to Valley that we would do this well, that we would seek out the will of God as we call the church forward rather than simply making decisions that seem strategically wise. Barton brings her conversation about discernment to this question. She says, if we're not pursuing the will of God together in fairly intentional ways, what are we doing? I don't know about you, but that question rattled me. The first time I read it, I had to go back and read it again. If we're not pursuing the will of God together in fairly intentional ways, what are we doing? 
What I know is true is that we aren't being the church. If we aren't pursuing the will of God in intentional ways, we are not being the church. We aren't being the people of God that we've been called to be. We aren't actually following Jesus. We might be blending some of the ideas of Jesus, some of the things of Jesus that we like, some of those good deeds into our normal life. But if we aren't committed to following God's will, no matter what else, we aren't actually following Jesus. We're just making our own will look more religious, look more spiritual by trying to blend in these things of Jesus with actually just pursuing our own desires. We put spiritual language around the things that we want to follow. Have you ever done such a thing? Ever couched spiritual language around what it is that you just want to do, saying, well, obviously this is what God wants. I never did this, but I had friends who that's the way they broke up with girls in school. (laughs) This is just God's will. (laughs) I mean, how do you argue with that, right? So we use that as this great argument to do exactly what we want to do with no real concern as to whether or not it's God's desire. So if we are not, as a people, pursuing the will of God together in fairly intentional ways, what is it that we're doing? We are not being the church. The call of Christ is that we would take joy in doing God's will, that we would find our way towards an intentional commitment to allow the Holy Spirit to help us find and follow the will of God in our life. Now, does it sound overwhelming? The answer is yes. Golly, you're still there, yeah? Hello. Is this working? Dave, do we have me loud enough? Yeah, okay. Let me give you two practical steps, just two kind of simple practical steps for how you and I begin to walk into faithfulness in following the will of God. The first one is this. Follow God's general will for your life until you understand what God has called you to specifically. Here's the way Barton says it. One of the first lessons we learn about discernment from Jesus anyway is that it will always tend towards concrete expressions of love with real people rather than theoretical conversations about theology and philosophy. Maybe in your own life you're frustrated because you've been asking about the will of God or seeking out the will of God, maybe in a specific area, maybe about a job decision or a major purchase that you need to make. Maybe it's about who you should marry or what you need to study in school. Maybe it's about where to commit your time. There are a multitude of questions that you could be asking, and as you're seeking out the will of God, you cannot land on what it means and what it looks like. So start with this. Start with showing people in your life love. Do the next good thing that you can find to do and trust that God will show you the steps, the next step after that. Do what we are generally called to. We are all called to love other people well. So start there and know that the more and more we follow God in faithfulness of the the general will of God, the specific will of God becomes more clear for us. In Psalm 40, we saw as the psalmist did this. The psalmist who talked about God's goodness and God's salvation and God's protection worked to a commitment and then began to show love to other people by talking about what God had done In verses 9 and 10, it says, I told all your people about your justice 
I've not been afraid to speak out as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I've talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfaithful love and faithfulness. One of the ways we love is by telling others of the great love of God and what God is doing. So follow God in what we know we're all called to do until you get your eyes on what you are specifically called into. And here's a second, just just very practical tool or tip. Spend more and more time in the presence of Jesus. It's amazing how many of us think that we'll figure out the will of God when we're never actually willing to spend time in the presence of Jesus trying to discover the will of God. Does that mean more time at church? Sure, yes. Does it mean time in worship? Yes, definitely. Does it mean participating in a small group? Yes, it does. Does it mean finding ways to serve at Valley or at a local church that you typically worship in? Yes, that's part of how we connect ourselves with Christ. But more important than any of those is that you and I commit ourselves to daily practices of sitting in the presence of Jesus. There's a multitude of tools that we've been given in order to to help do this better. We, We sometimes call them spiritual disciplines or sacred rhythms, habits. But the gift of these give us the opportunity to sit in the presence of Jesus so that we can become more and more connected to Jesus and what Jesus is calling us to. Prayer and and reading the Bible and silence and Sabbath and stewardship. All of these practices bring us to a place that we are putting ourselves under the lordship of Christ in the presence of Jesus so that we can be transformed by spending time with Jesus. And that is how we discover the will of God in our lives. That's how we learn more about God's hopes for our church. It's how we fall in love with Jesus and his ways. Hear this. You ready? Religious living isn't enough. God has called us to faithfulness. And just putting on the motions of our religion is not enough. There is more to it than that. We have to be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit in our life because we have fallen deeply in love with God through time spent in the presence of Jesus. Again, a quote from Barton. She says this, the spiritual journey can be understood as the movement from seeing God nowhere or seeing God only where we expect to see him to seeing God everywhere especially where we least expect to see him. Discernment is an ever-increasing capacity to see or discern the works of God in the midst of the human situation so that we can align ourselves with whatever it is God is doing. Do God's general will. Spend time with Jesus and God's specific will for your life will become more and more clear. But can we trust it? I suspect that each of us could tell stories of times that we have been heartbroken. We trusted God's will. We did all that we could to follow after God. But things still didn't go the way that we hoped that they might. We trusted God's will and a relationship still ended. 
We trusted God's will and still lost a job. We trusted God's will and he or she still died. We trusted God's will and still got sick. We trusted God's will and still ended up all alone. We trusted God's will and it seems like all hell broke loose. We have to remember that the world we live in is sin-stained. That God's good will, his desires for us, his dreams for us have been damaged by our sin. Because of free will, the gift of God that we have the right to to choose, because of free will, God's specific desires are sometimes limited by the choices of people, by the choices that we make. But because of God's sovereignty, because God is all-powerful, God is working to redeem even the most damaged pieces of creation. God is working to redeem the most broken realities of human living. The scriptures show us that God's work is towards good. God is continuing to work things from paradise, the way everything was created, to paradise, the way everything ends once God puts it back together. But here and now we are stuck in this in-between where things are sin-stained. And God is grieved at our suffering. God is grieved that we live in such a way. God never intended this. We chose this way of living, both individually by choosing to do things other than what God would have us do, and corporately as together we choose to live in ways contrary to how God would have us live. Because of that, we suffer consequences. Because of that, we live as we do. Things don't go the way we might hope or the way that God even hopes. But because of God's goodness, because of God's love for us, because of God's good will for each of us and all of us, God is working to redeem the devastation. God is working to make all things new. And you... And I are left in a place that we are forced to have faith in the workings of Jesus. It almost sounds like a cop-out for me to say that, and I don't intend it to be a cop-out. It is actually true that we must have faith. We must trust that God is working things towards good. Those core beliefs, those, those, those tenets that we have that we believe in that pushes us to the place of even discerning. Yes, it may take longer than we hope for things to turn out the way that God is working, but over time, God will prove himself, and we have to let God do so. Let God show his love for us. Let God show his pursuit of working good for all of creation. We must have faith and trust that God's will for us is good for us. God's will is good for all of creation. God's will is good for God. We've started this series with the conversation on discernment because our vision team has been working to discern some guiding principles, some core values that will lead us as we are working in finding the way forward. And over the next several weeks, I want to work to, to teach what some of these guiding principles are. But, but discernment is where they have begun, and discernment is where they must continue to drive us as we look to discover the will of God for us, as we look to follow the will of God for us. These, these guiding principles, these values will help us figure out how to read the map 
for the road ahead. They will be a type of guide rails as we search to find the way forward. And we hope that you will join us as we have that conversation, as we continue to look for who God desires for Valley to be, and as we work to follow God in faithfulness.